Out in the Bay receives support from Project Open Hand, whose medically tailored food helps Bay Area residents recover from illness, get stronger, and lead healthier lives. Project Open Hand serves people with HIV, AIDS, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and other critical illnesses. Learn more at openhand.org. Hello, welcome to Out in the Bay Queer Radio. I'm Eric Jansen. Today, insights on the transgender experience with my guest, Nick Lawrence. Be forewarned, I expect there will be some frank and perhaps graphic talk. Nick Lawrence is among the very few trans people I know who's willing, eager even, to discuss surgical details of his transition. I met Nick in the summer of 2021 at a Billy gathering in Lake County, Northern California. The Billies, by the way, is a gay and bi men's semi-spiritual group of sorts, not religious, mind you. Nick was leading a workshop that year showing people his phalloplasty, a surgically created penis, and also talking about some of the difficult and also the very liberating practical and emotional aspects of his transition. He was a middle school teacher and principal in the past, and more recently, for 10 years, Nick worked in professional development with foster parents, helping improve their skills, especially in caring for LGBTQ kids. Nick is also a musician. His first album came out in June 2022. The songs are about the trans experience, or at least about Nick's experience, and they also teach while entertaining. Stick around to hear some of that music and about Nick's journey. Nick Lawrence, welcome to Out in the Bay. Thank you, Eric. I'm so excited to be here. I think it makes sense to start by playing what seems to me the most tender and emotional song in your new album. You're singing to your estranged daughter. This is Nick Lawrence singing, I'm Still Your Mother. A long time ago, when I was still a girl, I gave birth to you and you changed my world, how I loved you so. I kissed you from head to toe. I'm still your mother, you know. Little girl smiles and bouncy blonde hair Your eyes filled with laughter, never a care How you giggled so, I rocked you to and fro I'm still your mother, you know Life has a way of changing course The light from within is a mighty strong force I took a turn to follow my heart But I never thought we would part A mother and daughter myself into you so our love would be strong oh I miss you so I try but I cannot let go I'm still your mother you know that's my guest Nick Lawrence singing I'm still your mother Nick that's really beautiful and moving and I thank you for sharing it with us you're welcome. It 
that song, um, I wrote it in my deepest grief because I just could not, I could not bear the the thought of my daughter rejecting me, and I finally realized that she had, and that she wasn't going to come back, at least not any time in the foreseeable future. And that was my um, my process song of how I dealt with with losing her. So I sang that song to myself over and over and over, um, and it, it helped me get through. I just want to talk a little bit about some of these lyrics. The chorus it talks about uh, life has a way of changing course. The light from within is a mighty strong force. And I took a turn to follow my heart, but I never thought we would part. What is it? Can you tell us a little bit about the light from within and how you knew you needed to change? As a child, I just had this experience frequently where I was um, thought of as a boy. And then as I matured, uh, I I realized that I really was, quote unquote, kind of like a boy. Uh, at the time, it was in the '60s. You know, things were still pretty sex typed, and uh, like at my school, girls had to wear dresses. There were no pants allowed for girls, and I was it was excruciating for me. The older I got, the more I realized I really did not belong in a dress, and so it was this these early experiences of of coming to understand that what I was attracted to was, was quote-unquote boy things, um, kind of typically boy things. And uh, one one time I was with my mother, we were walking up to this, uh, we lived in, a t- in Los Angeles, and we were walking up the street to the post office, and there was a clothing store, and we looked in the window, and it was right before Easter, and there was a dad and a son on one side, and a mother and a daughter on the other side, and we were both staring at, at what they were wearing, and I was looking at what this little boy was wearing, and I was like, yeah, that's really what I want to wear, but she was staring at the mother and daughter, and she was like, yeah, that's really what I want us to wear. <laughs> and so she said, let's get that. And I said, yeah. And I pointed over here and she pointed over there. And, and she pulled me by the arm. She goes, no, we're over here. And I'm like, no, I'm over there. And uh, anyway, we got those stupid dresses. But um, it was like the last time I wore a dress. Uh, but it was just this, um, you know, just what was natural, what unfolded for me, what I was attracted to, where I saw myself, where I belonged. We had um, some kids that lived across the street, and um, there was four of them and one of me, and we'd get together every day in the summer, and we'd play covered wagon and all this stuff, and they had a treehouse. And every day, no matter what game we played, I said, look, um, I'm a boy, and my name is Joey. And so uh, they all they would just call me Joey whenever we played these games. And, uh, they, you know, that when you're kids, you just accept what other people say. But I had this driving force within me from really my earliest memories of, yeah, I'm I'm a boy. It turns out I went with Nick instead of Joey. But um, like, I'm a boy and my name is Joey. I'm a boy and my name is Nick, period. And finally, at age 45, uh, a while back, uh, 13 years ago, uh, I finally said, okay, I guess I'm a boy <laughs> and I'm going for it because uh, I saw a trans man friend of mine who I didn't know was trans. It was a lesbian who had been a friend of mine and I, I ran into him uh, not knowing it was him and I knew that I knew him and I was, you look so familiar. He goes, it's me, Max. I was like, I don't know anybody named Max and finally I realized it was my friend uh, who had become Max and right then the light went off in my head and I thought, oh my God, that's me. 
And for the first time, I, I had this pathway open, and I thought, yep, that's what I've got to do. And so I started looking into transitioning. So for parents and caregivers, I also remember you talking about this last year, about how how does a parent know when their child is saying they don't feel in their right body, they feel like a boy when they look like a girl or vice versa. How do you know that? How does a parent know that this is really the thing? It's not just a passing phase. Well, there's there's three ways to look at it. You 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 want to see if your child is persistent, insistent, consistent. And then you might have a transgender child. It's still possible that people are trying, you know, you try things on. And in today's world, it's more acceptable to be um, more gender fluid anyway in, in certain uh, in certain areas. Um, but those are the three that you really want to look for. Is my child, is this just a phase? Or do they have a friend who's who's transgender and so they're trying to be like them? Sometimes kids mimic each other. But, you know, there was, uh, in my parent trainings, I have an LGBT training, and I talk about these two um, cisgendered boys. And one of them, uh, he he went to his mom and dad, and he said, you know, I, I'm... I'm I'm a girl and I want to um wear a princess outfit to Billy's birthday party Saturday. And they were like, "Honey, uh, you know, I I I don't think that's such a good idea because they were worried about how the other little boys were going to react." And so they went to their therapist and the therapist said, "Well, you know, um you've got to let your son try these things out and take the heat of um what kids are going to say. That's one of the markers. Can you can you stand the heat?" And so they went and got him the princess outfit, and he got there, and they're like, you know, Tommy, what are you wearing? He's like, this is my, you know, my Elsa outfit. Isn't it fab? And they're like, whatever, and they just went and played, and they didn't really care. And so by allowing your child to to pursue what feels comfortable to them, they're going to get their own feedback, and then they're going to have to decide, is this something I can handle? Because if you're persistently, insistently, and consistently, if he really says, I'm really a girl, and I, li- I want to wear an Elsa dress, then the flack isn't going to be stronger than the drive to wear that Elsa dress. There was another family who went to their therapist and the therapist said, oh, no, no, this is terrible. It's dangerous. You've got to stop everything feminine for this kid. And so this little boy had a bunch of My Little Ponies and this is a number of years ago and a a lot of girl stuff. And so they cleaned everything out of his room. And uh, one day the mom, uh, you know, they masculinized his room and all this stuff. One day she couldn't... um, couldn't find him, and she, you know, there's, there's a there's an awful quiet when the kid's into something that they shouldn't be doing, and so she went looking for her son, and she found him in his closet with a pink posted. Now pink was his favorite color, but they got rid of everything pink, and the, his teacher gave him this post. It was a piece of paper, and he was rocking back and forth, sobbing because he loved pink and he missed all of his his stuff. And the mom said, "Oh my God, I'm harming." I'm harming my child. I'm not going to do this to him. I don't care who he is. This is harming him. Right. And so, you know, it's it's all about looking at your own self and saying to yourself, well, I'm not that way, but my son is. There's no reflection on me. I'm my own blossoming spiritual being. So is this child in front of me. And I really need to do my homework to make sure that I'm being supportive of one of the loves of my life. 
Wow, that's great. You have another song uh, I want to play that touches at least briefly on mother-daughter relationships. Before I Became a Man isn't primarily about your relationship with your mom, but it's in there. So let's hear that. I'm looking in the mirror and liking what I see. I really don't remember this happening to me before. Before I became a man I started loving myself right Just the way I am Now I'm pumping iron and taking all my shots My phoenix is rising, my life no longer fraught like before the way I am My mama always told me to reach for my dreams to live by yes I can But I don't think she had any idea a little girl would become a man Now I am so happy just being a dude My inner life is easy I never have to brood like before with flavor with his masculinity I like before before I became a man I started loving myself right just the way I am now listen here my brothers the story is not done it's time for you to be true to you your number one now go on go on and become Daughter, ball of joy, a beautiful, bouncy boy. Your deepest heart can now enjoy singing, I love me the way that I am. That's Nick Lawrence singing Before I Became a Man. You're listening to Out in the Bay Queer Radio. I'm Eric Jansen. There's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about in here. You have a line in there about, uh, my life is no longer fraught the way it was before. Can you just say a little bit about the fraughtness, specifically when you wrote this song? This song is really important for me because really the first line is, um, I'm looking in the mirror and liking what I see. I really don't remember this happening to me before I became a man. And it's true. I could not stand looking in the mirror ever. And as soon as I got my, actually it was my, when I, before I actually transitioned, I went in for a breast reduction and I went from a, a double D to an A minus. And the first day after the, the surgery, my, my little pancakes were even flatter because of the surgery. And I looked in the mirror and I saw myself with a man chest 
And I was like, oh my God, there you are. And then I burst into tears. I'm like, oh my God, I got the wrong surgery. And then right then I knew I could not be a woman for another day. Like, that's it. And up until then, I was worried about what I lose my family, what I lose this, what's going to happen. And at that point, it was like this lightning bolt hit. And I didn't care about anything else. I was like, oh my God, that's me. I have to follow this. And I saw myself in the mirror and I, and I looked at myself and I'm like, I will not let you down, Nick. I, I am here for you. And that's that's when it changed. But I had to get out of that awful, awful hormone. Estrogen for me was horrible. I was a happy-go-lucky kid until I hit puberty. And then that darn estrogen was like a giant like down quilt that's wet and is on you and around you and I just felt like I was cloaked in this heavy blanket wet blanket all the time and I was like trying to get out of it and trying to have a good life you know and you know testosterone's like throw that blanket off and I'm like hey I the the quirky crazy kid I was I'm back in adult form and I just feel excited and happy and This is how I'm meant to be. So that estrogen detour of 30 years, okay, it's a long detour. But I didn't know there was something I could do about it. I didn't know I could just cut a few things out, sew a couple things on and inject some testosterone and be happy like I was. So let's just start from from some basics. What are the main steps in a physical transformation? You know, it's... It's up to each person to to try on each step and see if that's enough relief. Because I was telling um, a friend of mine that when I I redid my chest surgery, so I had the A minus cups, but I still had breasts. So then when I got my my chest surgery, I thought that I was going to have this immediate rush of now I'm a man feeling because I felt like they were having breasts was blocking me from feeling like, quote unquote, like a man. So I thought that they were going to get taken off and then I'd be like, have this rush of, I'm a man, right? And I didn't really have that. Instead, I got, oh, thank God they're gone. I had relief instead of like more of the positive. I just had less of the negative. And as I've gone through this process, I've realized that that I am the way I am, period. I'm not going to become more of me I'm just not blocking as much as I was. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. So with that in mind, each person has to step into this line of what's offered and what's possible. Try each one on and say, am I feeling relief or am I feeling better? Because it could be the relief makes you better or it could be someone else could have a different experience that they just feel more and more, you know, energize and, and, and like themselves. But your your choices, you know, are to do nothing and claim who you are and say, I'm I'm a man or I'm a woman or I'm both um, or neither. And you don't have to do any step. You don't have to take hormones. You don't have to do anything. And then you can go as far as you want as completely redoing your entire plumbing system, uh, which is what I did. I had um, a vaginectomy an uvectomy, which is taking the ovaries out. I had uh, my uterus taken out, and then I I had them lengthen my uh, urethra, and that's a big pain because to make a urethra, you don't have like extra urethra hanging around, so you have to make it out of your own skin. So I took this 
swatch of, of leg tissue and they take the very end. Imagine like you're making, um, like you have a flat piece of cloth and you take the first edge and you roll it over like the size of a straw. Okay, so the very first edge is little tiny thing and you sew that along the length. That becomes your urethra. And then they roll the whole thing like a jelly roll and sew it on. And then what happens, I mean, this is, I've, I've jumped over the steps, but the, the, the final step for me was this. And the, the clitoris, uh, when you start taking testosterone, it grows into a micro penis. So it, it starts looking like a little tiny penis. And uh, depending on your family genetics, you might get a lot of growth or just a little growth. But then they, they sew this phalloplasty on top of it, and the nerves from your clitoris actually uh, grow into the phallus, and it takes nine months. And because on, your, on, your, on my thigh, on my skin, or whether you take your arm or your, or your leg, there are these nerve sheaths, like tunnels. And so the nerves go underneath your skin along the tunnel. So those tunnels were still available from my leg tissue, and they sewed it on to my crotch, and then the nerves in my little, I call it a dicklet, um, expanded and went into those nerve tunnels. They do microsurgery, and by the, about nine or ten months later, I have sensation over the whole length of my phallus, which is a miracle, okay? It is a freaking miracle that this, that this can happen, and so I can have an orgasm, and I don't ejaculate because there, there's nothing in my, my testicles. Or they, they're the stupidest looking things, but, you know, but now it's so many years later, and... Um, I feel like a normal person now, what I think is normal. I just don't think about, I don't think about my body all the time like I did. I was obsessed because I was so uncomfortable. So why have you chosen to, you know, speak about this so publicly as many people don't? You know, I've been an educator my whole life and I, I'm a parent educator. And like you said in, in the beginning of the show, um, there's twice as many foster youth who are LGBTQ. So I've been educating, doing professional development for caregivers. And the state of California made a law that foster parents have to have an annual sensitivity training on LGBTQ issues because so many kids were being removed from their homes. The way you're removed from your home is your parents are convicted of criminal parenting. And then, which has, has to do with extreme abuse or neglect, then they were going into foster care and there's a high percentage of religious people that are foster parents and they were getting abused again in foster care or neglected or judged or whatever. So it was so awful. It was such a high uh, uh, occurrence rate that the state of California said, no, we're going to have an annual training because foster parents are supposed to provide a safe and loving home for, for their kids. And me telling my personal story really helps caregivers understand that this isn't a child who's doing something to get at somebody or bother somebody. They're just trying to let their light shine. And so when you when I talk about, because I told you I'm a very spiritual person, I'm really good at helping religious people understand this phenomenon because I have a background in, in some, you know, in, in, in religion and I'm a, I'm an adult. I I'm not particularly like gender queer, you know. I'm just kind of just a guy, and so I the, the things that are that are sometimes challenging for older conservative people, and because they get caught up in how somebody looks, 
it puts their 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 affective filter really high, which makes them defensive. So I'm a good deliverer of the information, and and I'm not uh, I'm easy to talk to, and then I understand where they're coming from. So I'm not trying to make them change their beliefs. I'm just saying, you know, well, I say, what is your main concern about a child in your care if they're LGBTQ? And for religious people, often the answer is, well, the, I'm afraid that they're denying God and something bad's going to happen to them. So I said, okay, well, there's a famous story in the Bible about Peter. Peter denies God not once, twice, but three times, okay, before he gets crucified. And I said, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is what did God do with Peter afterwards? And the answer is he made Peter the cornerstone of the church. Okay, therefore, you don't have to be God you just have to be a, a loving, caring parent and let God do what God's going to do in a child's life. And you provide a safe and loving home and be sure that you do everything you can to help that light shine of that person. And that one little story has worked miracles on so many people that are, are really gripped and like trying to do the right thing and they don't know what to do. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know what God has in store for that person. I'm not supposed to know. I'm just going to do my part and love them to the best of my ability. And people have said, thank you. You freed me to, to be accepting and loving toward LGBTQ youth, whereas before I thought I had to save them. And now I realize I don't. I just have to, to be loving and, and try to nourish uh, the blossom that's before me. You've talked before about being a changeling, about going through several different um, identities, I guess we could call it. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Well, I have friends that say to me frequently, you know, gosh, you've always got so much going on and you, you just keep changing. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And uh, I, I, I guess one of my callings in my spirituality is to understand as many aspects of life as possible. I was a daughter and a son. I was a mother and a father. I was a, a brother and a sister. I've been a grandma and a grandpa, a heterosexual woman, a bi woman, a lesbian, a straight guy, a bi guy, and a gay guy. So I think I've hit all the stops. Yeah, that's quite a few. And he, I'm not sure what else there is. Um, I, actually, I guess I guess I understand they them a lot more than I ever did because I I see that at a certain point, like my body just really doesn't matter what it is. I'm more comfortable in a masculine um, costume, if you will. Like I feel really good with hair on my face and a a man chest and a penis. That's that feels great to me. Um, but it doesn't mean that that's what everyone else needs. Um, but I just, I've seen life, I've, I've experienced it, and each one of those, being a lesbian, being a gay guy, being a straight guy, each being a straight woman, each one of those has its own realm of blessing and, and joy. There, there are things I felt as a woman that I, I don't really feel as a man. There are things I feel as a man that I didn't feel as a woman. There was a pride in being a dad that was different than a pride of being an, a mom. And there was a pride in being a grandpa that's different than the pride I felt as a grandma. Each one is is needed and should be celebrated and and 
rejoiced about, and each one is is a wonderful aspect of what life has to offer. So I feel hugely blessed. Nick Lawrence, thank you so much for being on our program and sharing your music and your life story. You're welcome. And uh, being very so very open with us. I certainly really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. You've been listening to Out in the Bay, Queer Radio and Podcast. My guest was Nick Lawrence. Find info on Nick and his music on his website, nicklawrenceftm.com. We'll have the link on our site, too, outinthebay.org. We'll also have a longer version of our talk there on our website and podcast with two more of Nick's songs, including one we cannot play on public radio. That's outinthebay.org where you can catch up on past episodes, get in touch, sign up for our email newsletter, and make a donation at outinthebay.org. Your support helps us keep bringing queer air to your ears. Out in the Bay is nonprofit and independent. That means we get no financial support from the radio stations that air Out in the Bay weekly, nor from NPR, nor from podcast platforms. We rely on listeners. If you'd like to give some other way, or if you have a guest or topic idea for Out in the Bay or comments for us, please email outinthebay at yahoo.com. That's outinthebay at yahoo.com. This episode was edited by Lucen Mendel. Our theme music is by Holly Mead. I'm Eric Jansen. Thanks for joining us. Out in the Bay. Out in the Bay.